When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome once again to Mel Tucker's Inside Zone, the weekly podcast for the University of Colorado head football coach, the Buffaloes 2-0, coming off a 34-31 win over Nebraska this past weekend, getting ready for Air Force this weekend. But, Coach, they were talking about a guy. When I got here in 2004, Jeremy was still on the, on the team and they had a little battle going with the NCAA, which I'm sure we'll talk about here a little bit. But uh, what a representative for CU Jeremy Bloom has become as a great athlete and what he's done in the business world and his philanthropic work. It's uh, great to have him on today. Jeremy, welcome. Hey, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jeremy, man. You're one of the most explosive uh, people to ever come through uh, here at CU Boulder on and off the field. Uh, born in uh, April 1982 in Loveland, Colorado. Tell us a little bit about your your upbringing, man. How the how does Jeremy Bloom come come about, man? How did you come to be? You know, I grew up in in Loveland, Colorado, just a stone's throw away from Boulder. And uh, you know, my my idol was John Elway, and my favorite college team was the University of Colorado. And my best friends had season tickets. And, uh, you know, born in 82, so, you know, right around the time they were winning national championships in 1990, uh, I was at some of those games, and gosh, it was such a big dream of mine to to play at Folsom Field. So when Coach Gary Barnett finally offered a scholarship my senior year, I was bouncing off the wall. You know, and then we, yeah, as a family, we, we skied on the weekends and, you know, got into the Olympics um, just as a fan, you know, around the age of 10. And that's really when I knew that I wanted to ski in the Olympics and play at CU and, and ultimately maybe have a shot at getting drafted in the NFL. Jeremy, did football make you a better skier or did skier make you a better football player, do you think? Yeah, mentally, they made me stronger in both you know, preparing for a big World Cup or a World Championship or an Olympics um, was super helpful for my growth mentally. 
uh, and vice versa, you know, playing against Oklahoma in front of 80,000 people or whatever. That that worked off each other really, really well. I never really had an offseason, so I was always mentally sharp. Physically, you know, two very different sports. You know, in skiing, you're basically in a, in a cast. You don't use your ankle. There's no ankle flexibility, no ankle strength, and there's a ton of that in hmm. football. So, I, I, you know, I had to dramatically change my body between – you know, both sports I had to gain 15 pounds for football season. I had to lose it for ski season, and and kind of you know re-strengthen some of the muscles that weren't really used in in, in each sport. Hmm. I'm uh, looking at your profile earlier today, and it says that you had the longest reception in CU history, 94 yards against Kansas State, until this past Saturday. And I asked <laughs> that's that. called the flea flicker. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Coach. And then Dave Platty told me to remind you that you almost didn't score on that play because you slowed down before you to celebrate before you got to the end zone. Is that true? <laughs> no, I think I think Dave Platty just had a bad angle. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite memory of being a Colorado football player? Gosh, there there were so many. I mean, my first game as a freshman, you know, I really wasn't on the depth chart. I think I was third string punt return. So, you know, I had good seats and everything, but I, I wasn't really <laughs> planning on playing. But uh, in the third quarter, we you know we just couldn't do anything in that game. I think it was ten zero, and Coach Barnett started you know yelling my name, and so I grabbed my helmet, jumped up, and said, "Hey, what's up, Coach?" He said, "Why don't you go return this punt?" So you know, I said, oh, "Okay." sweet and i put the helmet on and i looked around I'm like holy s-h-i-t <laughs> don't worry it's a podcast you can say that <laughs> oh, okay well then i said holy shit <laughs> and, 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 you know the guys did a great job up front and first time i touched i took it back 75 yards for a touchdown i just remember looking around and wow. it's actually going nuts and so you know tough tough to beat that one but but gosh there were, there were a lot well i'll tell you what i can't imagine um I can't imagine uh, uh, doing both, like playing football is, is hard enough and then skiing. Um, and then uh, all of the preparation that you have to do for both sports. And I know the training for um, trying to train for the Olympics and trying to train for uh, for skiing, I know that, I mean, that, that costs a lot of money. I mean, that stuff's not cheap. And then you ran into a situation where you're trying to, to get funding to to, uh, to help with your skiing efforts. Tell us about how that whole thing unfolded with the NCAA. Yeah, so my my first Olympic year was 2002. I was a senior in, in high school. Just finished up my senior season. And at the end of that season, I was the number one ranked skier in the world. And for the first time in my life, I had, you know, endorsement opportunities to pay for this stuff. But I was, you know, enrolling in the University of Colorado and playing football. And that's when the NCAA said, no, you can't, you can't do that. You know, you can't have a ski sponsor or a goggle sponsor, you know, and play amateur football so you know i we took them to court put together put together the best the best effort but at the end of the day didn't win the battle in the court system so you know decided to forego those sponsorship opportunities for the experience of of fulfilling one of my biggest dreams playing for the buffs and you know thank goodness that that i did but the ncaa didn't didn't exactly help me along the way that's for sure when you think of, of the world of sports and kind of what you're talking about, in, in, in baseball it's Kurt Flood, in, in the NFL it was John Mackey, uh, do you kind of look at yourself as a little bit of a pioneer in that regard when it comes to uh, amateurism and, and what college athletes are allowed to do outside of their chosen sport in college? 
Well, yeah, I look at myself more like a, a grain of sand on the beach, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or a, you know, a, a part of the whole deal. But you know, it's going to take a lot of efforts. I know there's some, uh, you know, Coach Tucker, you might be looking into this a little bit, but there's some legislation in California to allow student athletes to capitalize on their ability. And, and I did actually an interview today, and, and most folks think it's going to pass. So. <laughs> You know, it's gonna. You know, people are chipping away at, at this whole kind of uh, archaic idea of amateurism, and nobody really knows where where it's gonna land. But I, I'm for you know student athletes having more opportunity uh, than 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 not having you know opportunity. So we'll, we'll have to see where it lands. Well, I tell you, that's a, a really hot topic right now, and our Twitter is blowing up today about the potential uh, decision in California and. Uh, you know, I'm with you. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a tough deal, but you know, as we all know, um, the players uh, make the game, and they do so much for us. Um, do much, do so much for the university, do so much for our athletic uh, department programs, and uh, it's a slippery slope. And and hopefully, uh, we'll get something worked out that works for everyone. Yeah, and I know, um, you know, there, there's a lot of efforts going on. Rick George is is on an NCAA committee. Um, looking into this exact issue. So, you know, lots of conversations with inside the walls of the NCAA and certainly outside uh, the walls of the NCAA. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. Jeremy, you know, I, I told Mel I was going to give you a hard time because, you know, at the age of 12, you're a black belt. As a teenager, you're in the Olympics. You're a multi-time world champion. You've played college football. You've been drafted in the NFL. I know we're going to talk about what you've done in the business world, your philanthropic world. Heck, I can I can say this uh, and, and feel secure. You're a heck of a good-looking fella. Is there anything you suck at, for goodness sakes? Because you're making the rest of us kind of feel bad, to be honest with you. Well, well I appreciate the, the compliments. That the, the true fact is, and this is not hyperbole, it is a fact, that, man, I have failed in every single aspect that you said way more times than, than I succeeded. And I think the one thing that I got good at pretty early on is is getting good at learning how to kind of use that those those inevitable moments of failure or setback to kind of recalibrate the compass to success of whatever success looked like and not personalize those those moments too much so they didn't allow me to, to lose confidence and you know same goes in the business world or really anything that, that I'm working on I feel like I've sharpened that sword pretty sharp you know because it's true. We all. I mean, Michael Jordan was cut twice in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple. Walt Disney was fired for a quote lack of imagination in his first job. So, <laughs> you know, no matter who you are, you're you're gonna hit you're gonna hit that rock bottom. And so, learning how to deal with it has been super important. I see that you've uh, authored a book called Fueled by Failure," um, really laying out some things that you just talked about. What prompted you to wanna to wanna write a book and and, and get that message out? that message out there yeah the, the publisher reached out to me and said hey you know we're we're thinking about doing a book um would, would, is, is there a topic that you'd, you'd love to write about and i said yeah i'd love to write about failure and i think they almost hung up on me <laughs> <laughs> can't really write a book about failure i'm like all right well here, you know, here's what i'm passionate about and i think they thought about it for a while they said all right we like it a lot but hmm. we don't want to put failure in the title we don't, you know, we don't, we don't think people will buy it. But I, I was pretty adamant. I, you know, I think we oftentimes as humans kind of, you know, run from the idea of failure and get scared, scared by it. Obviously, it doesn't feel good not to accomplish our goals. But if it is inevitable, and if we, if we do agree that everybody's going to hit it sometime, we might as well 
kind of accept it for what it is. And so really the book, the goal of the book was to, to, to explore the topic at a, at a deeper level and provide a framework for myself first and then the folks reading the book second um, hmm. to, to really how to do that. How, how can we use those? those moments and it was a, it was a really fun experience what, what is athletics both what you did uh, within the olympics and the world stage what you did in college football what is that taught you that you're able to utilize in the business world when you sit down and negotiate or you're making a deal what what qualities have you taken into that world uh don't take no for an answer i mean like literally anything is possible if you just got to be creative in, in finding the path to yes you know, and, and, and gosh, I was certainly the smallest kid on the football field in, in, in high school. And, and there I was kind of, a you know, an up-and-coming skier. You know, m- more people thought I would be a successful skier than certainly thought I would be a successful football player. But I learned at a r- really young age, you know, we can all manifest our destiny. We can manifest our goals if we're willing to attack, you know, really attack what's what's in front of us. And, and that's one of the things that you know, from from a guy that's on the sidelines watching the University of Colorado, that Coach Tucker, I think you've done such an excellent job. I mean, you you can tell that that you know everybody's singing the same chorus, they believe in the same thing, and they're attacking every single day. And and I think that that is the the true measure of a great leader of of getting folks to, to do that. And it's been a lot of fun to watch you do do your thing just early in your in your career at CU. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh... It's uh it's very gratifying to work with these young men here. They're just uh they got they have tremendous character. Um, you know, they wanna be they wanna be great. Um they're all bought in. Our our coaching staff is is just a, a great bunch of men that cares about these young guys and, and uh they're great coaches and they're very unselfish. So um I feel like we have a good thing going here. We're just gonna continue to continue to build it. Um, you know, on the field as well as off the off the field. Speaking of off the field, I see in 2008 you launched a uh, foundation, the Donna Wheeler Foundation, named after your grandmother. Um, can you tell us about um, your passion for that 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 foundation and really how that came about and, and what you all are accomplishing? Yeah, it, it was inspired by my grandmother, Donna Wheeler. Uh, she, she lived with us for the first 19 years of my life, so it was my mom, dad, brother, and sister, and grandma downstairs. And just a remarkable lady, you know, tough as nails, never complained. Didn't matter what life threw at her. She yeah. always had a positive attitude, and and uh, she she has always been one of my heroes. And you know, I just feel like sometimes in, 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 in our world, certainly in our country, and in other countries they do a better job of this, but in our country we oftentimes set aside the oldest generation and, and, and maybe feel feel like their time has passed them by. Right. And I don't, I don't think that's the right way to do it. You know, these are the folks that paved our roads and gave us life and fought for our freedom in World War II and all the contributions that they gave. So, you know, you know we, we later changed the name um, because at my grandmother's wishes, she didn't want it to be just about her, to, to, to wish of a lifetime. And so now, you know, over a decade of work at Wish of a Lifetime, we grant wishes to the oldest generation. So mm. we knock on their door, remind them they're important, say, what's what's one thing you've always wanted to do in your life? And let's, let us help you make that experience come true. And really the broader mission is to, to remind all of us that these folks are important. They're national treasures. So, you know, let's do our part to say hello. Let's do our part to help out. Let's do our part to remind them that, that their dreams are still important, too. Boy, Jeremy, that, that is outstanding, man. God bless you for that. That's, that's phenomenal work. Uh, good for you and, and everybody at that foundation. You know, you mentioned Mel being here and, and what you're seeing right now. And you're also in the broadcast industry, as you mentioned earlier. You 
were doing a ball game the other day, uh, kind of keeping an eye on that Nebraska score. But uh, when you look at Colorado <laughs> football and, and you see what Mel's been able to do and you know what Rick's been able to do here with, with the facilities and the Champion Center and all that that entails, well, what is your view now, now that you're in the sports industry, what's your view of what Colorado football is and, and what the potential is for Mel and, and what this program can be? Well, I think Rick really started this whole thing. I, I remember when he was hired, he reached out to me the first couple of weeks, and I, we, we sat down, and he said, here's my five-point plan. I mean, talk about a guy that came to town with a plan. And by the way, his plan, most would say, is impossible. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, like, the things that he wanted to do in that five-point plan, mm-hmm. you just shake your head at, and he did them. I mean, a lot of it had to do with raising a whole whole lot of money to, to build the facilities to be competitive in the Pac-12 with really on the recruiting side. And he did that, and, and uh, that, that was a huge, huge accomplishment. I think another one of his huge accomplishments was, was bringing Coach Tucker here. I, I think from, from my view looking in, I think it's really hard as a coach, as a leader, as a CEO, to, to demonstrate toughness and tenacity while, while also being compassionate. And, you know, that's kind of how I would describe you, at least from, from my view, Coach, is you just know every time you're on TV or you talk, you know, you, you know what toughness that you bring to an organization, but you're able to bridge that with incredible pat, compassion for caring deeply for the players, and that, that permeates. And, and I think, you know, for any leader, that is such a hard thing to, to balance between the two. Oftentimes you lean more in one direction and, or more in the other, and, and very rarely do you find a leader that, that does both. So, you know, I know you won't take any credit. You'll, you'll give all the credit to your players, which, which I also love about you. Um, but but I, I give you a big high five there. I'm, I'm, I'm so optimistic about what's been in store what's in, in the future for the Buffs, and not only with Coach Tucker, but the, but the staff that, that you've put together, the recruiters out there, the guys like Darren Shiverini and, you know, uh, guys that are bringing in, like, talent that we, we haven't seen come to Boulder in a, in a really long time. So, yeah, super optimistic. Uh, that, I, I appreciate those kind words. You know, when I, you talked about Rick, and when I met, uh, when I met Rick, uh, when we interviewed um, – and uh, visited in, in Athens, Georgia, before our SEC championship game. Um, I got the sense from Rick um, that he really cared about people. You know, that was a big deal. You know, obviously he had a plan um, and how he wanted to uh, how he wanted to build the football program and what he thought the vision was. But you could just really tell just by sitting with Rick and uh, and Lance Carl was there as well, and just how much they cared about um, the players. Uh, the the city of Boulder, you know, all of the the former all of the former players, and even Rick would all would also mention um, the other athletes in the athletic department. You know, just uh, not it's not just about football, and so that really drew me uh, to Rick um, because I think that it's uh, it's important to keep the focus on the on the players, on the student athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, if it weren't for the student athletes, you know, we, we wouldn't have any coaches. You know, we wouldn't have what we have here today and and uh you know I coached 10 years in the NFL and uh and the, one of the reasons why I came back um to college football is because I wanted to invest more in the young people this is not the National Football League you know it's 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 different it's 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 uh it's really about the entire the entire person the entire student athlete and we've got to do everything we've got anything in our power to help these guys out um because really 
um, these are the most important times of their lives. And they can have a good experience here. We can set them up for the rest of their lives here. You know, I, I couldn't agree more, and I'll, I'll just share one quick story uh, about about Rick that I, I think highlights that. I forget which game it was, but went, went to a football game, um, and and it was myself and John Elway and and Matt Russell sitting on the on the sidelines, yeah. and Rick comes down and you know says hello to the three of us, and I kind of grab him up, grab him aside. I'm like, hey, John Elway is at our game. How cool is that? He's like, you want to know what's cooler? Matt Russell's here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But just the guy really bleeds black and gold. I yeah. mean, Colorado, Colorado athletics is everything to Rick, and he he is a people person. He he loves people. He cares deeply for for people. I got the, the same sense, and and so yeah, it's uh, just incredible leadership from from the top down. Well, Jeremy, you've got your great company, uh, Integrate. Um, you're you're doing all kinds of stuff, broadcasting. We mentioned uh, that we got that the, the show you did, that Shark Tank type show you did for what was it, uh, MSNBC or CNBC? Um, what, what when are you going to run for president? By the way, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> oh gosh, do it now, do it now, <laughs> and now announce it right here on the on the podcast on the Inside Zone. <laughs> oh gosh, politics. I just I'll stay. <laughs> Okay, we'll take that as a no. So, what's next for you then? What, what, what's what's down the road? Do you think for for Jeremy Bloom with all the success you've had? You know, I, I'm just I'm loving what I'm doing right now. I, I get a chance to to give back through wish of a lifetime. I, I love the people that we get to meet. Some of the most remarkable human beings ever. Um, I love the challenge of building a business, and and you know that we're we're almost ten years in. And integrate started with an idea on a whiteboard and went through all kinds of iterations and stops and starts, and now we're almost over 300 people with offices around the world. And I love the challenge that presents itself there every day. And I'm so grateful to the Pac-12 network that, that they give me an opportunity to get back in the booth because it gets it gets me back to my roots. Yeah. I, I spent so much time in those meeting rooms preparing for football, dreaming about being a football player, being around the game. And, man, I just love my Saturdays um, to, to be able to, to go back to the roots and – and be around college football sport and uh, and a culture that I love so much. So, yeah, I mean, gosh, I just hope I can keep going with, with what I got. Love it. And, you know, Coach Barnett always says he's never lost a game sitting up next to me, you know, so it is nice <laughs> up there. It takes all the pressure off, right? <laughs> Sounds like Coach. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We, we going to get you in town here to do one of our games this year? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a CU game this year. Yeah, oh. I'm really bummed about that. Um, but, uh I do have some weeks off, so I'll be at the games watching. Well, Jeremy, I just want you to know, man, you're always welcome here. And uh, we've had a lot of former players. Uh, they're coming back, and our, our players love having you guys around. I love having you around. Um, you're just such an important part to our, our of our program and what we're trying to do here. And and like I said, um, I've always said you got to have tradition and facilities. And uh, CU has a great and rich tradition in, here in football and athletics and you're a huge part of that, so thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that a lot. I'm I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me. I, <laughs> <laughs> so much. You know, if, if it wasn't for the University of Colorado, uh, I wouldn't have uh, been ex- to experience half the things I did in my life and and have a. So I, I owe a debt of gratitude to to the universe for the opportunities that it bestowed upon me, and and I, I hope to pay that back over time. But but thanks, guys. A pleasure to chat with you both and. Go Buffs. Uh, we love it. All right, Jeremy, we appreciate it. We'll catch up with you down the road. Okay. See you guys. Yeah, thank right. you. 
The great Jeremy Bloom joining us here on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone. Boy, when you've got a program, Coach, and you're out selling the program, you certainly got to sell the team and facilities and history and coaches and all those kind of things. But there's a guy you can point to and say, great player, international athlete, international business sensation. Look what can happen to you when you come to see you. Yeah, I mean, he's uh... – I mean, he's one of he's one of the best, yeah. and uh, an extraordinary person, and and that's uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this pod this podcast is because when I got here to, in December, I started meeting all these people, you know, and and uh, hearing about all these great folks that have come through CU, and and uh, as I got to learn more about everyone involved, I'm saying, man, this some of the the greatest. Human beings on the face That's of this right. planet have come through CU, and we we need to know more about them. And so, um, that was that was a that was a treat for me to talk to Jeremy. And I'll tell you this: I think he's with all his success, he's going to get over the fact that Katie Nixon knocked him out of the record book. Don't you think? <laughs> I, think I think he'll get over. It. I think he'll be he'll be just fine. Hey, this weekend the Buffaloes have got Air Force in town. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. It's an early one at Folsom Field. Uh, Coach and I'll hit the air. At 9 a.m. with the Buffalo Stampede pregame show. Get on out. Get your tickets and cheer on Mel Tucker as they take on the Falcons this weekend. Coach, good luck this weekend against Air Force. Thank you so much. All right, that's the head coach. This has been Mel Tucker's Inside Zone. For the coach, I'm voice of the boss, Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.